One of the most fun parts of our jobs is when Mark and I get to fix other people's cookbooks. Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and I don't know that I count it as fun, because it's often a hair-pulling. Here's how it works. Let me explain. Bruce and I have published about 35 cookbooks on our own, but occasionally we get hired to fix and or just write other people's cookbooks as ghostwriters. Some of these people are celebrities, and we can name some of them. We can't name others because of confidentiality agreements and some of them are just run-of-the-mill cookbooks from people who might need help adjusting their cookbook for a u.s market and so we get hired to do this and it's um <laughs> i think it's hysterical because some of the challenge look there's a reason the pub- well there's a reason the publishers come to us and say can you help because whoever wrote the book turned it in the publisher can't publish it as it mm. is because there's often a problem so the first book we're going to talk about was a restaurant cookbook right yeah and this is an italian restaurant they yep. had their regular menu but also every weekend they had a different old italian grandmother or nonna come in and make her specialties those were the specials of the night this cookbook was a collection of all the nonas recipes. And I can just say right here that there were eight or nine nonas. I don't remember exactly how many. They only spoke a Calabrian or Sicilian dialect of Italian. So we had to carry on with translators in tow. So there were these nonas. And let me just tell you that right up front, there were eight or nine, I don't remember, eight or nine different pasta recipes. And I know you're going to say, what is pasta? Isn't it just flour and water or flour and egg and water? No. Oh, God. It was all about <laughs> tears te- of your ancestors. Technique and how to make it. And I'm, we're just talking spaghetti here. And it was <laughs> or fettuccine, or we're just talking standard pasta recipes, and each nonna had her own, and in fact, they all <laughs> they all hated each other and hated each other's recipes. So it was a whole deal. And so the first thing we told the publisher looking through the manuscript was, okay, you have to cut it down to one pasta. Well, the first thing we were told is that's not going to happen. because you, So you have to differentiate these pasta recipes a little more. So, okay, we took care of that. That was the easiest part of the book. Mm. What was the most difficult part? Well, the first recipe up from my first Nona, as you open the book, was for, here it comes, stuffed spleen. Mm. Now, what? Now, <laughs> what, like, what I, animal was that spleen from? I, I think a cow. You think? Because it I, wasn't listed. I just want to tell you that I love offal. So I love heart. I love tongue. I love liver. I even, oh, don't think me a ghoul, like brains. Which so, you can't eat anymore. No, not, not really. You shouldn't. Um, but I like offal a great deal. Ever had spleen? No, never, not <laughs> once. I went, do, Does one walk into the butcher shop and say, uh, I'll have a spleen? Please. I suppose in Calabria they do. <laughs> But they, I think that's why their children left Calabria. <laughs> but they don't hear. So we had a choice. The first thing was to tell the publisher we think you should take the spleen recipe out. But of course, Nona would have none of that because if she, if we insisted that, I think someone would have come and broken our knee. Do you think? <laughs> do you what? think that? Um, I don't remember. Was it stuffed with ground meat or was it stuffed with breadcrumbs and fruit? I don't yes, remember. Yes, I think it was all the above. I see. I was actually hoping it was going to be like stuffed with a little heart, which would be stuffed with a kidney, sort of like the turd. <laughs> Duckin of Ophel. Wait, wait, a heart with a kidney with a so it would be a splarney. <laughs> splarney. 
<laughs> you know, it's now it's an Irish, it's yeah. an Irish dish. Okay. Well, anyway, we looked at this recipe and we just couldn't figure it out. We I couldn't figure out how to test it. Part of this, I whole, couldn't get a spleen no yeah, matter where I went. Part of this is not only rewriting the recipes; it's testing them because you know, the, for example, these nanas are using. Oh gosh, you would think that they're using grams because they're from Calabria and Sicily, but no, they're using handfuls and they're using. <laughs> it scoops. weighs as much as a two-month baby. Right. <laughs> and they're not using standardized U.S. measurements. A so, two-month baby is not a standardized measurement no, of flour? No, not really. No. And so we were trying to figure <laughs> this whole thing out, how to standardize these recipes. But Bruce also had to test them to make sure that they actually worked in, you know, standard home kitchens. These women are working in a restaurant, even though they're just called in to do the specials. They're still working in a restaurant, and there's a whole thing and, with restaurant books versus home books. and that. I don't know where they got their spleen. I'm thinking maybe a local hospital oh um, but you know oh, eh, I think, they did not say what kind of spleen i go oh, come on <laughs> i think that spleen is probably ground for dog food even today but i don't know very it, nutritious a lot of iron yeah uh yeah storing all those red blood cells i i just think that it was kind of crazy and ultimately we lost one that battle because the stuff spleen was put farther back in the cookbook. Do you know, don't put your worst foot forward. That's mm. like mm. our big advice. And you know, the thing is, stuff spleen might have been fabulous. I mean, I'm, I am trying to picture myself walking out of the kitchen with a tray of stuff spleen with, with spleen rolling around <laughs> on a serving platter as I bring it to the table and go, yay, stuff, stuff spleen for dinner. But um, it was just hard. Okay, so there was, we're still on that cookbook and there was a second recipe problem. And the ingredient here is not unusual. It was just a pasta with sea urchin. Mm. And sea urchin, mm. it's delicious. If you've ever been to Japanese restaurants and had uni, well, that's the sea urchin row, which is the only part of the sea urchin you eat. It's, it's widely available in a lot of fish stores. But rather than just call for this sea urchin in the recipe, what did they call for, Mark? Well, they called for... You know, six sea urchins. Whole ones with the spines and everything. Yeah, well, I think that you can only buy them with the spines snipped, but still, it was six sea urchins cleaned. Well, I thought to myself, you know, I'm the writer and our parent, I was like, people don't know how to clean sea urchins. So I took that out. I was like, okay, here's the recipe for, you know, six sea urchins. I don't know where one finds whole sea urchins in the U.S., but okay, fine. Six sea urchins. And then I wrote an entire first step about how to clean them, how to use kitchen shears, what you're looking for, how to take out the row, the egg sacs, how to save those, preserve them in the best shape, how to get rid of the rest, you know, the whole bit. So I wrote that and what happened to me? So it went back to the nonas, and what came back to us was, what are they talking about? Everybody knows how to clean a sea urchin. Yeah, exactly. It was this what? whole, it was this whole thing that she was just absolutely outraged that we would add a step to her recipe about cleaning them because cleaning sea urchins is just obvious. It's just obviously what you do, and you don't need help doing that. That everybody knows how to clean a sea urchin. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a few people in our life that we use as touchstones. So I called my sister and I'm like, do you know how to clean a sea urchin? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like, oh, okay, no. So. It was really, it was sad. And in the end, what we did is we convinced them that you can buy sea urchin row. You can. If you've been yeah. to a high-end fish market, you've probably seen those little wooden boxes uh, with the sea urchin row kind of, I don't know, lined up like envelopes or little 
tongues More sitting like tongues. in that little box and they're kind of a pale yellow or orange color and they're often on the on the ice in a high-end supermarket and so we're like you know people can find this i don't know how many people are actually making sea urchin pasta for dinner but mm. you can find that part i know it sounds delicious. it does sound delicious i would eat that so you know these were two things that one there's an ingredient that nobody in the u.s could get a hold of and two there's a technique that nobody in the u.s really would know how to do which is clean a sea urchin that was the problem okay so we're going to move on to a second book that we fixed and this book was a a um, diet guru book i don't want to say diet a wellness guru yeah how's that she yeah. was a wellness guru um she had gotten very popular through her blog and i think her youtube channel and she had a wellness book in which mm, basically it's what you know it was all based on smoothies but it's what you know low carb keto-ish okay so she's got this breakfast smoothie and it includes you know what what, what it's in this there was no. kale and blueberries and some cashews and, and my favorite ingredient what raw chicken liver yes that's right. In she, a smoothie. She put raw chicken liver in a blender. So <laughs> on one of our Skype calls, I said to her, oh, come on. You can't ask people to eat raw chicken livers in a smoothie. It's it's dangerous. You're going to get sued. Oh, the liability on that? <laughs> oh, man. You're going to get for killing someone with your recipe. I know a few recipes that I've ever fixed or written where I thought people could die eating this, but... You're not going to die from a stuffed spleen, but you could <laughs> die from eating raw, raw chicken. chicken livers. Depends and where that liver's from. She sure. said, she's like, I eat them every morning and I put drop one in each of my smoothies. I thought, oh, Lord. And I, so I said, uh, we, she said, well, what if we just make them organic? And I said, I don't think that that your publisher's not going to like it. It's your so readers hard are to not find organic like liver anyway. Oh, no. I'm sure, I'm sure, because I think this person was a bit of a survivalist. I'm sure they were from her own chickens. And while I don't advocate eating even the livers of your own chickens, I'm sure they were her own chickens that she probably fed some, I don't know, macrobiotic organic diet and yada, yada, yada. And okay, fine, maybe, but oh, she she absolutely could not understand that you can't put raw liver in a smoothie <laughs> then and sell the recipe and have the recipe be safe in any <laughs> See why I said this is the most fun part of our Oh my <laughs> our gosh. Work. Hey, before we get to the last one, let me tell you to go to our Facebook group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, join in the conversation. Tell us about some of your cooking nightmares. Even if they weren't about writing cookbooks, we all love to share our nightmare stories from the kitchen and subscribe to this podcast. We wrote a celebrity cookbook once. Well, we wrote the recipes for it. We didn't write the introduction to it, but we wrote the recipes and the head notes for a very prominent celebrity who will go nameless. And it was a diet plan. And my favorite part of doing this was that, uh, what was the deal? We had six weeks? Was it a month? We had six weeks to write the entire book. And the diet plan was not formulated when we were set on the clock of six weeks. So this celebrity didn't even really have a diet plan. They're like, oh, just start developing recipes and we'll come up with something. It's like, how do you develop recipes for a diet plan that doesn't exist? And <laughs> let me tell you, in the end, there was lots of sugar-free jello pudding mix used in oh, these recipes. Oh, God. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> 
house, <laughs> which just is the chemical signatures through the roof, but at least there's no sugar in it. Um, it was, it was really amazing. And uh, th- this person, uh, I don't know, they they got on the bestseller list with this book and uh, made a lot of money out of it. But it the, it was just so funny to be set on the clock and say, okay, we really have to have these recipes in six weeks because this book has to be out in like two months, and we have to have these recipes in six weeks. And there was no diet plan. Well, we're figuring it out. You know, no flour, no dairy, you know. <laughs> the typical no chicken liver, no raw liver, <laughs> no sea urchin, no spleen. <laughs> no spleen. Uh, <laughs> I'm coughing over it because I'm so horrified by it all. Okay, well, anyway, that is a list of some of our biggest cookbook nightmares in our life of actually doctoring cookbooks. So subscribe to this podcast. You won't miss a single episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And come back because honestly, not everything's a nightmare, is it? No, not